This is the Weekly Scramble, a place where we chat about life over a cold one or two. It's time to belly up to the pod with Mike Fratelloni and your host, Chris Reavers. A bonus edition of the Weekly Scramble this week. My name is Chris Reavers. Mike Fratelloni is not joining me today because he did the show with me yesterday, but... It's that magical time of the year. Yes, we are talking town baseball here on the Weekly Scramble because I'm not allowed to do it on Garage Logic. So guess what? Damn it, I'm going to do it on my own show. And uh, joined by a couple of my dear friends in the town ball world. We're going to talk first with Aaron Worm. Aaron works for K-Check down in New Prague and covers the gamut as it relates to town baseball, especially in the DRS League. Aaron, how are you, my friend? Hey, I'm doing great, Chris. How are you? Good. It's, uh, it's one of those times, man. You, your your heart gets kind of pumping. It's it's always fun for all of us town baseball nerds that love the Minnesota State Amateur Baseball Tournament. And, of course, this year is special to me uh, personally just because it's being played at my home park down in Faribault, Minnesota. We, along with the Dundas Dukes and the Meesville Mud Hens, are the three sites for this year's 99th State Amateur Baseball Tournament. And I know you guys with KCHEC are going to be covering a lot of the games that are being played by the DRS teams. Yeah, absolutely. Well, we'll have the whole DRS covered. Plus, uh, we do cover a Jordan out of your River Valley League, so we expect to to be busy. We got three teams in in Class C. Take that back. Four teams in Class C out of the DRS with St. Patrick, Montgomery, Union Hill, and Webster. And then we'll be a following a new market when it comes to a B baseball and, like I mentioned, a Jordan out of the RVL. And uh, I, I'm going to be biased because I think the DRS is one of the best teams in the league, and we're going to get an update from our buddy Jeremy Stender from the Crow River League, too, which is also a, a, usually a, a well-represented league in the in-state amateur baseball. Do you have a dark horse favorite of, without showing your bias? Because I know you, being a Montgomery guy, you were really, really happy that the Mallards made the tournament this year. But who do you look at as the predominant favorite winning uh, Class C this year? You know, when I when I look at the, the favorite, and there's always going to be bias in my opinion because I'm a you know I'm a sports guy, I'm a sports announcer, but I'm also a fan, like you know, right. of town ball baseball and uh, St. Patrick. And you've seen St. Patrick up close and personal. You yep. know how good a St. Patrick is. Uh, they're a team that started the season one and two. They have not lost since. They they won the region, actually, kind of cruised to a region title. They got some a very good uh, pitching on their team. Uh, just saw. Uh, I think it was a game against Faribault. Uh, Luke Tupi, lefty that pitched at St. Cloud State, uh, he pitched very well. They're very deep in pitching. And uh, two years ago, when they played for the state championship, they kind of ran out of pitching in that championship game against Fairmont. Uh, not this year. Again, they have so many guys that can throw. You throw in uh, your buddy, Joey Grody from yep. Faribault, as one of their draftees as well. And the St. Patrick team has so much pitching. And obviously they can hit the ball as well. But you know to win five or six games, to win a state title, you have to have pitching. The teams that seem to have the deepest when it comes to that category usually win the whole thing. And I, I think St. Patrick has enough to a win on Labor Day. I, I, I couldn't agree with you more. I think that you know if, if, if I were a betting man, which I am not, but if I had to put money down on one team, I would probably also pick the St. Patrick Irish just because for all the reasons that you just mentioned. But also one of the other reasons that's kind of hasn't really been talked about, uh, I'll say publicly, is the fact that they are most likely going, going to be moving up to Class B next year for, for amateur ball. So there's a, another incentive for them to say, hey, this is our last shot to go win a Class C title. And I think that type of urgency can only benefit a team that's got as much talent as anybody in Class C this year. Well, what I found out from the estate board on Sunday is that the way things are set up right now in Minnesota amateur baseball, yes, they're going to be a B team next year. There has been talks about adding 
another class, kind of a middle class, I guess you'd call it B minus C plus when sure. it comes to those teams in another class, but there's no indication if that's going to be something that's done already for next season. So yeah, same patches are going to go to class B unless again, there is a third league or third class added to amateur baseball. And yeah, they, they know the urgency uh, they, they even brought in some more guys, uh, a couple more guys to add to their already deep roster. And, you know, they, they got guys that play college baseball or still play college baseball in Minnesota State. We mentioned a Luke Tupi again from St. Cloud State. And they are playing like a team or do have a roster put together that is playing like a team that knows this could be their last year or does know they're gonna, it's going to be their last year in Class C for at least a couple of years. And they're pushing all the chips in, Chris. They're yep. going for it. Yep, no no doubt about it. And a couple of the teams, one of them that you mentioned, I think have a legitimate shot. I've watched them a couple of times just having moved to the city of Jordan back in January. Those guys are good. And they're I think they're going to run into, you know, do they have enough depth pitching-wise? But their they're, they're lineup, they're one of those teams, Aaron, I watch them play. They just know how to win. You know, it's not like they're – and I don't mean this as an insult in any way. They, they've got talent, don't get me wrong, but they're just a team of guys that just know how to play baseball, if that makes sense. It's an experienced team. Yep. They've been together for a long time. I mean, a lot of these guys, I'm pretty sure, could probably play over 35 baseball where they keep playing amateur baseball because right. they're so good at it. You know, I, I looked at Jordan's bracket, and the first thing that, that popped out, and they're a team that's probably my handful of maybe eight teams, kind of got a pool of eight teams I think have a legitimate chance to win it and Jordan's in that pool, they got kind of a, a tough draw that they could see Plato in their first-round game, and we know Plato's been kind of maybe not as good the last couple of years, but they're a perennial at State every year. But they got Hutchinson they could see down the line as well. Yep. So this Jordan team, again, a lot of experience. They, again, are a legitimate team to win the whole thing. Their bracket is stacked against them, and it's going to be a tough road for the Brewers to get to the championship. Two other teams that I kind of have my eye on, and you know me, I'm rooting for two things now in the state tournament since the Lakers, since we didn't make it, now I'm rooting for two yeah. things. You're rooting for great weather, you're rooting for great games, and great crowds. That's basically what you're rooting for uh, as, as a tournament host site. And Honestly, it's 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 just going to be, you know, it, it's quote-unquote work, but you're working because you get to watch great great baseball being played over the course of three weekends. But two teams that I'm keeping kind of keeping an eye on, one is Delano, and the other one is Bird Island. Uh, I've I've heard through the grapevine that Bird Island's got a couple of studs um, pitching for them this year, and I think that they have a chance to make some noise this year in the tournament. You know, Bird Island is a team that I'm not very familiar with, but when I was up for the the bracket release show on Sunday, a lot of uh, folks with the Minnesota Baseball Association, other media members that were at that event, we're talking about Bird Island. You know, every game is is tough when it comes to the state tournament. Uh, Bird Island's in a spot where they could see, I think, a very good Waterville team in their first-round matchup. Yep. Waterville's going to have big crowds with their location. And then he got the Loretta Larks that if they beat Waterville, they could get Bird Island. They were kind of a surprise team to be the number two seed coming out of their region. And we know they have former Minnesota Twins uh, uh, star Corey Koski on yep. their team. So yep. Bird Island, yeah, I've heard a lot of good things about them. Again, the bracket, uh, pretty tough. On them, Delano. I do like Delano. I know talking to a Kip Culver who covers Delano and other teams, uh, they lost their first game at the region tournament. They got beat by the number eight seed, but came all the way back to eventually win their region. Wow! A lot of people have Delano. It may be you know one or two, three top three teams to, to win the whole thing. They're definitely one of the top favorites going into the tournament. Yeah, and obviously Bemidji has a bye, and they're always a really solid uh, representation of 
of, of Class C amateur ball. But you know what? I, I know they made the great run last year. Don't sleep on Watertown either. I mean, Watertown's back. They got the bye. They beat Waconia, if I'm not mistaken, in that region final. We'll find out more on them from Jeremy Stender. But I think Watertown is poised to have another good run this year too. Well, here's the thing with Watertown. And, yeah, Watertown did beat Waconia in that region final. Last year they were kind of a Cinderella team coming out of that Crow River, which always, if you get a matchup with a Crow River team in the first round of the state tournament, you know you're in for one heck of yep. a matchup. Yep. Last year they were kind of a Cinderella. This year the bullseye is definitely on them. A lot of teams will be aiming for the Red Devils. But, you know, they're deep enough with pitching, too. What I've heard, again, they won the region and what I think is, is maybe the best region in the state of Minnesota. And they probably got some unfinished business. I, I see them getting a close to the championship game. I actually have Waconia beating them in the final four to play in the championship game. Really? Patrick. But uh, Watertown, again, unfinished business for them this year. And I know Waconia was, was kind of looking forward to hosting it last year. And I believe, didn't they lose to Alexandria at their park uh, Labor Day weekend? If I'm not you mistaken, know, I'm not 100 uh, okay. sure on that one. It's just a thing, you know. You and I have probably combined watched about seven thousand town baseball games in the last handful of years, so it's tough to keep all of them straight. But that's the beauty of this time of the year. You know, you run into a lot of familiar faces. You get to go watch baseball at some great ballparks, and you know we're going to be able to showcase our field, which you've been to a number of times. But there's a lot of people that you know are going to be coming to these parks for the very first time. You know, teams that have never played at Dundas before or have never played at Meesville before. It's just it's going to be really cool because when we were awarded this uh, a couple of years ago. Basically, one of the comments from one of the state board members was, you know, we haven't been down that way in, in quite some time. And I said, yeah, it's about time. Let's go here already. Because it was 1978 was the last time um, Faribault was was the host site. And that's back when it was just the one site for the entire tournament. Now, granted, there weren't as many teams that played in the state tournament back then. But still, it's been 44 years since the, uh, since the tournament's been in Faribault. So I know the city's gearing up, man. The field looks incredible. Charlie's done an amazing job with that field. And I can't wait for fans to see it, too. It's going to be awesome. No, absolutely. You know, one thing about, you know, Faribault, if you haven't been to Bell Field, and I, you can, you know, talk more about this, but if you haven't been there in a couple of years, everything that you guys have done to put in the, the updates and the hard work, I mean, Bell Field looks amazing. Uh, Dundas, always one of my favorite ballparks to play over 35 baseball in. They always have a sharp field. And Meesville, I've driven by it a couple of times, but a cool field for them. They have tons of support. So I like the, the three sites with Faribault, Dundas, and Meesville. And like you mentioned, all three of these sites are cool ballparks. They have their own little things that you're going to go, wow, that's cool that Bellfield has this and that and Dundas has this. And that's you know one of the great things about Tom Ball is being able to go to ballparks that you don't get a chance to go to on a regular basis. And I think these three ballparks are really going to showcase themselves nicely to the rest of Minnesota. Yeah, I agree with you. And thank you very much for that compliment. I, I, I appreciate it. It's been, it's been a lot of, it's been a lot of blood, sweat and tears, but you know, I was told this a couple of years ago that, you know, they, this, this person said, Reavers, this is going to be the most rewarding, frustrating, heartbreaking, satisfying <laughs> project you will ever work on. And that person was 100% correct. Cause that's exactly what it's been. My wife even said to me the other day, she said, so am I going to see you at some point? And I said, yeah, Labor Day night, I'll probably stroll home at about five o'clock or so. You'll probably see me there. Cause the one nice, the interesting thing is uh, the state board did a lot of cool changes in my opinion 
to the way the bracket's going to lay out, where you might see the bracket, but the uh, the second, or excuse me, Labor Day weekend, those sites are subject to change. And what the the reason behind that is, they want teams to be able to go to spots where their fans are going to draw well. So you know, if if a matchup makes better sense to be played in Fairbowl or being played in Dundas, well, that's what they want to do because ultimately the main objective is to get as many people there uh, to, to to watch these games as possible. And the other nice thing is the B chance, and I don't know if you noticed this on the bracket. The B Championship, they decided a couple of years ago to have the Class B Championship on the Sunday night of Labor Day weekend with the Class C Championship being the standalone game on Labor Day. And the reason for that was people were always complaining that they couldn't, they, they had to pick and choose which game they could go to because they, they were both being played at the same time. Well, now this year, if the undefeated Class B team loses that championship game to the team with one loss then the Class B championship will follow the Class C championship at Fairbowl on Labor Day, which I think would be, granted, again, biased, but I think that would be awesome to have both of those at the same field on the same day. Yeah, no, it's a nice setup, and that's one thing. You know, the state board has done a nice job, like you mentioned, making those adjustments because, I mean, as as town ball fans like, like me and you and so many people in the state of Minnesota, we want to get to as many baseball games as possible, and for them to... To, to make that a, an opportunity easier for, for baseball fans to, to not miss any of the championship games, like you mentioned, the AB championship on Sunday night. If you need another game, you play on Monday. And that's great because I don't think I, I've watched a B championship game uh, probably ever because I was more focused on the C game sure. going on uh, pretty much at the same time. Right. All right, so I will allow you – well, first I have to ask you a question. Are you going to be able to actually do the Montgomery game Saturday at 1.30 against El Rosa, or are you going to be joining – are you going to be there as a fan instead because you won't be able to contain your emotion? You know, I, I have to go to a wedding. No! Yes. You're yes, kidding yes. me. Oh, my. <laughs> so, yes, I will, I will be cheering cheering from, from far away. I know I saw, I saw the bracket when it came out, and – and, and I'll be honest with you, when I was up at the, the bracket reveal show, I was kind of joking, but not 100% joking with the board when they were looking at times ago. I go, hey, you know that game on Saturday for the Mallards? You want to switch it to Sunday? Yeah, that'd be that'd look good at Sunday at about 1.30 instead and of they Saturday. Go, What's going on? I'm like, I'm going to a wedding. <laughs> Is anybody on the team getting married? I'm like, no. Are you getting married? No. Then no. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that the beauty so of it? I, yeah. I, I won't be there, but I've, I have talked to a Greg Westerman, the manager, and he knows that too. And I've said to him, I go, Greg, I go, go win one so I can uh, broadcast the game the following week against New Alms. So I'm crossing my fingers at the Ducks. Find a way. Again, it, it's a hometown, a hometown team since you're letting me talk about yes, Montgomery. Yes, please. Please do. Uh, Montgomery Lonsdale is the school district that used to exist, and now it's Tri-City United, which is made up of Montgomery Lonsdale and the center and everybody on this roster went to Montgomery Lonsdale or Tri-City United at one time so it's a homegrown team from pretty much the same school district which it's hard to find on any amateur baseball roster yep. around the state of Minnesota and they take a lot of pride in being homegrown so if you're looking for a team a Cinderella a fun team to cheer for maybe your team gets knocked out early or you don't have a team in the race the Montgomery Mallards a team that does not get the state uh, too often. I think it's the second time now in the last 19 years. They're a fun group to cheer for, and obviously 
uh, I'll be cheering loudly from far away. That's very cool. And, I, you know, I, I agree with that sentiment. That's kind of what makes Town Ball, you know, unique and awesome in its own right is the fact that, you know, these are all guys and kids that that played in that city. And it's kind of, you know, we have a few guys that, that didn't play at Faribault High School, but most of us are, are Faribault guys. You know, and that's, that's just yep. what's cool about all these little matchups and all these little storylines. Um, because what ends up happening, too, is a lot of people decide, well, I'm going to go spend the weekend in Dundas or I'm going to go spend the weekend in Faribault and maybe my team got knocked out. Well, now I'm going to cheer on this team or cheer against that team. And it it just becomes a cool spectacle. And uh, honestly, you're never going to have a bad time going to a state amateur game in, in any one of these sites because, it's you know, again, you're outside. It's summertime. We all know what's coming in a couple of months. So let's go watch some fun baseball and cheer on the local guys, right? Well, Absolutely. And one team, uh, Chris, and I do have to mention, we got to talk about Webster. I mean, we got to talk about the Sox. Do we? Do we have to? Oh, I know. They're the team that knocked out your Faribault team. <laughs> I'm I totally kidding. That was a yeah. tough game for me to, yeah. to, to even choose a side because you had the Webster story, obviously, making the state for the first time ever. And I, I wanted them to win, but, Chris, I know you and, and Charlie and Joey and everybody else has, has put in so much hard work in Faribault. I wanted you guys to win, too. That was a tough matchup for me to choose because, Again, the Webster story, but again, your team, being a host team, yep. deserved to play in the estate tournament. But, I mean, you look at, at amateur baseball, and anyone that follows amateur baseball, to never, ever get to a region tournament in the history of your ball club is unreal. Right. I mean, that's absolutely unreal. Yep. To not even get a chance to be in the region tournament. But Webster finally got to the region tournament for the first time, and, and they made good, making it to the state for the first time forever. I mean, Webster's a team that used to have the, the hashtag uh, TWI, which meant typical Webster inning because of all the errors that Webster used to make in the past. So to me, they're kind of the Cinderella. I mean, I want people to cheer for Montgomery, but, and again, uh, I'm sorry they beat yeah. terrible. I apologize. But they're, they're a fun team to follow, and if you're looking for the, the biggest Cinderella at the tournament, I'd say it has to be Webster. And I will say this. I, I won't tell the person that inquired uh, of me about the Webster Sox because outside of the DRS, a lot of these teams probably aren't all that familiar with them because, as you mentioned, this is their very first state tournament ever. And I said to this person, do not sleep on the Webster Sox. I said they probably wow. have the best pitcher in the DRS, and if he's able to throw for them, I could I could easily see them making it to Labor Day weekend. You know, and I actually have them in Labor Day weekend. Uh, Peter Twighty. Is he a pitcher from Winona State? Uh, he's kind of the ace of that team. And, I mean, he's had many games in the DRS where he's struck out 13, 14 guys in a game. And, again, we know how the state tournament format works, that you can use one arm, and it can win you the first three games. Then you just have to go to other arms to win the last three. So with a guy like a Peter Twighty, I do have Webster winning a couple of games before running into a Watertown in the round of 16. So it's a nice story, the Cinderella story. But like you said, they have a lot of talent, yep. so it's not like they're just they're going to be just happy to be there. They're going to want to make a lot of noise, and I think they will. And you know, their their first round matchup is with the Milroy Irish, and we've had the pleasure of playing those guys out at their park for the last couple of years, and they're a really solid team too. Um, they they went we went toe to toe with them, and they're just a solid group of and and a really solid group of good guys um, in Milroy too. So that'll be that'll be a whale of a ball game. I believe that's the Saturday game at seven o'clock in Dundas. Uh, Milroy against Webster, and that'll that, that'll be a festive atmosphere because usually the the Irish usually drop pretty well when they when they play in the state tournament. No, absolutely, and you know one thing looking at the bracket, and I was joking with my son Isaac. You know Isaac, oh, he's yeah. fourteen, and he's one of the biggest the Town Ball fans that there is for his age. And we were talking about you know tough draws, 
And I looked at this year's bracket. Everything's a tough draw because all these teams are there for a reason. You mentioned, again, yep. Webster yep. Uh, for Milroy for the Irish. I mean, that's a tough draw right off the bat. I look at a team like Union Hill that we cover out of the DRS. You know, they happen to get Waconia in the first round. So everything is, is a tough draw, which is good. I think that's good for amateur baseball because sometimes you look at the schedule and go, well, maybe there's a weak draw, but then you pause really quick and you go, that's a state tournament. They're yeah. all here for a reason. So everybody has got a tough draw, and that makes for good baseball. And like you mentioned, Milroy with their fan base, Webster saw them in a, a region game here in Montgomery. They brought tons of people. Couldn't believe how many fans there was from Webster. So that's going to be electric on Saturday night in Dundas. Yeah, and I, you know this also gives us the opportunity because you know we're so focused on both of our leagues, and I, you know, I live close to the Crow River with in, in Jordan, and so anyway, I know a little bit about those teams, but it's also a good opportunity for a guy like me to be able to watch teams like Laverne, Bemidji, Dumont, you know, the teams that I never get to see throughout the course of the summer, and then I get to learn a little bit more about them when the tournament rolls around. I'm like, oh, those guys are pretty solid, you know. So that that's why I like the tournament too, is just because you get to see a lot of these other teams that you normally don't associate with throughout the course of the summer. No, absolutely. And for those that, you know, maybe are not that familiar with, with amateur baseball, I encourage everybody to come down there because you get yep. to see, I mean, these are elite athletes. I mean, when you think of town ball, where these guys are very good players. The, the talent pool is high when it comes to amateur baseball here in the state of Minnesota. And you look at the price for a ticket. You go all day Saturday and all day Sunday where you could watch three to four games it's 10 bucks yep. to watch all those games for an adult. And what's really cool, 18 and under, did I see, are they a dollar? A dollar for 18 and under, yes, sir. I mean, isn't that cool? So it's the best, bargain, and it's four, the best bargain going. You could watch four ball games for the entire day, and it's you and your significant other and your two kids, and you're spending $22 to get into the ballpark to watch four really good baseball games. So if you've never really got a taste of amateur baseball, you want to come see some cool ballparks, here's a great chance to do it at a very affordable price. And we know that's one of the, the great things about amateur baseball is it's very affordable. Yep. It's affordable family fun, and you get to know these players. I mean, these are neighbors. These are, these are guys that, that go to work Monday through Friday like everybody else. Mm-hmm. They're not getting paid to do this. They do it for the love of the game. They could be someone's uncle. Well, they're going to be someone's uncle, but someone's relative. I mean, people in these communities, they know the ball players. And that what, that's what makes amateur baseball, to me, so special. And, again, price. I mean, we talk about money, how much everything costs in this world. Very, very affordable entertainment for the family. Couldn't say that any better myself. Aaron, you are the absolute best. We'll, we'll run into each other all throughout the course of this tournament. So I appreciate your time, sir. I know you're a busy guy. But uh, call great games, man, and I know I'll be seeing you. Sounds good. Thank you. You bet, Aaron. There he goes. Aaron Worm with K-Check Radio. He does a wonderful job. Follow him on Twitter like I do. At AaronWorm1 is his Twitter account. I better make sure that I have that right, by the way. Uh, AaronWorm1 is his Twitter account because, like I said, he does a great job. He and his family do a great job of covering amateur baseball all over the state of Minnesota, but mostly with the DRS League. So thank you very much to him for his time uh, talking amateur baseball here on the Weekly Scramble. Now we're going to check in with my buddy Jeremy Stender with KGLB Radio and the Crow River League. Hey, Jeremy, how are you, man? I'm doing great, man. How are you? Are you ready for these next three weekends or what? You know, I've been asked that about 100 times, and I keep giving the same answer, and it's 
I don't have a choice. <laughs> you yeah, know what I there mean? There you go. Well, and it, I, it's just weird because like 49 weeks ago, we were putting a wrap on, you know, Waconia, Chaska, Hamburg, oh, and I said, you're up next. And I know. You're like, yep, it'll be here before we know it. And how in the heck here we are? It, it, and it literally <laughs> is here before we know it. I was just talking to a couple of people this morning because we're having a banquet tomorrow night uh, to kind of kick things off at the Fairbo American Legion. We're having an MVP, a former MVP banquet where – Billy Nelson with the Dundas Dukes really spearheaded this entire thing. I'm not taking any credit for it whatsoever. This was his baby and his idea. He's got 65 former MVPs showing up to this thing tomorrow night in Fairbanks. Yeah, it, it's it's awesome, and I want to give him a tip of the cap because, you know, I'm I'm a town ball rube like you, yep. and I have really enjoyed reading some of the excerpts on some of these former MVPs. I mean – it's been like two nights worth of me just sitting on the couch, ignoring my family and kids <laughs> and reading, you know, former MVPs and, you know, just so many from our area in the region seven Crow river Valley league, neck of the woods. And, you know, a few of the surrounding uh, leagues that guys that I know, and it's just fun to hear them recount and retell their stories uh, from those past state tournaments. So it, it's really, really fun. And I, I'm going to make sure that I find, uh, Bill over the course of the next three weekends and just kind of thank him and congratulate him on putting it together because it's awesome. So if people haven't had a chance and they haven't got to check out uh, FDM2022.com and, and read some of uh, th- those excerpts from the MVPs, do yourself a favor. You're, you're going to absolutely love it. And, you know, it even kind of brings you back and and recount some of the stories that you remember if you had any kind of involvement in it. It was really, really well done and a tip of the cap again to Bill. Perfectly stated. And, you know, one of the things, you know, Bill and I have just been in communication about setting this up, setting that up and whatnot. And he said, hey, I think I can get Eisenreich to come up, but do you mind if we get him a hotel room? And I said, uh, yeah, that that that, yeah. that shouldn't be that shouldn't be. He's driving <laughs> up. He's driving all the way up from Kansas City. The least we can do is put him up for the night for crying out loud. So yeah, I'm exactly. looking. I'm looking forward to it. And I just basically said, give me a microphone if you need me to. I'll stay out of the way. You know, like just just yep. I'll just get out of the way or whatever. But it's gonna be a fun and and honestly, we were just trying to think of something cool, creative, and unique to kind of kick this tournament off because. I told you this when we were sitting at Waconia last year. I said, holy crap, have they raised the bar on this tournament. You know, and, and us, yeah, for yeah. us to follow those guys, it was like, oh, wow, we got our work cut out for us here. And it's constant innovation, right? You know, like eight to ten years ago was the parks. And don't get me wrong, it's still the parks and all of these different little things. But, you know, just in recent years with – Going even just to simply going to websites and then all of a sudden, you know, podcasts yep. like this, and yep. now an MVP banquet. And you know that there's more coming uh, for these next years. And next year's the 100th state tournament. Yep. So you know there's going to be certain surprises. And that's what's been great about it is just the, the innovation, the forward thinking minds, you know, of town ball. And how can we make something that's so great, that's so perfect? How can we make it better? And, uh, you know, you guys just keep uh, raising the bar, and, and that's really what makes it fun. And, you know, I was pick, I picked up our programs uh, yesterday for both us in Dundas and Meesville, and I was just kind of skimming through it, and you just realize the history of all this and how the, the growth of the sport. I mean, I've, I've run into people now, and I know you have too, at all these different tournaments, or maybe it's regular season games, that 
might not even be a sports fan, but they love town yeah. baseball. And I run into people like that all the time. And doing Garage Logic, I get emails from people. I run into people all the time that are both listeners of the show and might not even be sports fans, but their kid played town baseball and they got they, they got addicted to it. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny you say that because I think I told you earlier today I had a dentist appointment. And I'm not <laughs> going to sit here and tell you about my dentist appointment, but all of a sudden, my dentist comes in, and he goes, oh, my gosh, Jeremy. He goes, you know, I'm a big fan of the Chan Redbirds, and the other night I'm watching this this podcast, this bracket reveal show, and I'm like, there's Jeremy. And, you know, I didn't – something we didn't – I didn't know that we had in common, but here he's this huge town ball guy. He goes to mostly every Chan game, for sure at home. He says he likes to go to away ones, but – you know, so it's just all of these people that you've got this connection with that you maybe don't even know are involved with. It's so cool. It's so exciting. And these really are the three best weekends of summer if you're a town ball fan, especially if you're a town ball fan and your team is still playing. Oh, no question about it. And I, that's that's what I'm personally just looking forward to is just seeing all these fan bases. And, you know, for, for the longest time, I was just fixated on, on Faribault, obviously, as a player. And then I went on to, to, to help out with the Redbirds and getting to know all these other leagues, you know, you guys, I got to become buddies with you guys in the Crow River. So it's just cool, all these different connections that we've all just been able to make. And I just find myself just watching games that I might not even have a personal connection to, but it's just fun. I remember the the championship game last year, and I'm thinking, holy crap, Watertown has absolutely taken over Chaska last year. I remember that semifinal yeah. game, and I thought, this is insane, because I brought my two mm. kids there when I was still living in Carver, and it was just awesome to see them just take over that ballpark that day. It was so cool. Yeah, and, and I, you know, I still, I, I, did, I did not like the outcome at all, but how cool was that scene last year when St. Patrick and Young America played? Oh. And, I mean, you couldn't find a spot in no. the park, and you look out at the berm or the hill, whatever you're going to call it, in right field, and there's a couple hundred people on that hill because they they paid to get into the park. They couldn't find a good vantage point. They went and sat out in that hill and watched from 350 feet away. I mean, yeah, it, it's just those little things. And then, like you said, at that championship game, I mean, 2,000 people at Lions Field it was in awesome. Waconia. And, I mean, you want to talk about packed like sardines in that grandstand, we were even where we were broadcasting, it's like we had no room to move. And you mentioned at Watertown, I mean, that sea of red, and, and they were out in pretty full force at our at our Region 7 tournament. And they're going to be making their way uh, down your way. I can You can count on that. I think their first game is Sunday, August 28th at 4.30 in Faribault. Yep. And, Reavers, you guys better be ready for them because they're going to probably overtake one of those parking lots by about noon that day. They might have like a little Sunday mass before they get started and walk into the park. I inform my, my, my crew, I said, whatever we're planning and ordering for beer the day that Watertown's playing, double it. Double it. There you go. <laughs> it's not like it's going to go bad. You know, we'll have we'll have we'll, yep. we'll be able to sell all of it anyway. So okay. So as long as we're on the crow, obviously, do you do you think Watertown's got one of the best shots, or uh, do you like all of the teams that are coming out of the crow this year? You know, I, I think Watertown. You know, how, how can you not after what they've done this year? I mean, here, here's the biggest thing, and and what I go to, and this isn't this isn't a knock on Watertown. It's not a knock on any team in particular, but the run that they had last year, Chris, in a tournament like this, no matter how good you are, that is so hard to duplicate. Yep. And they didn't even win it last year. They got to the championship game, but it's really, really hard to do that again, because, you know, 
that old adage in college basketball, they talk about it, and I think it's true in town ball too. If you're going to, there's 48 teams in this Class C tournament. If you're going to be the one standing at the end, well, guess what? You're going to have gotten a little bit of a luck along the way. Yep. And that doesn't take away from the fact that you're good, but there's 47 other good teams in this tournament. So there, there's going to have to be something. It's going to be the hit, and, the hit and run gone right or the hit and run gone wrong. It's going to be a pebble in the field that might cause an error. It's going to be the bad hop. It's, it's going to be something that, that, that is – Every team that wins this tournament has something like that happen along the way where just the baseball gods were on their side. So I think that's the biggest thing for Watertown. Are they good enough? Do I like their chances? Yeah, I do. But what's playing against them, again, I think are sometimes just simple baseball odds. So and in a, you know how it is. I mean, if we're talking, we're playing best of five, guess what? I'm, I'm going to take Watertown and I'm going to really, really like my chances. But you're only getting one shot. And so we'll see. I mean, Watertown is primed um, for another run. Looking at that kind of that top quadrant, I do like what I see there, um, you know, for them. I think it, it sets up well. I think what could be a really intriguing matchup, if it were to happen, uh, would be Webster and Watertown. Yeah. Um, I know you're, you're quite familiar with Webster, but, I mean, talk about a great story. Um, you know, I just love their self-deprecating humor five years ago when they're in the midst of a 50 or 60 game losing streak. And here they are, you know, in the state tournament. Um, I've heard they've got some really good young arms. I've never seen them play. So that that's kind of one. And then you're talking about last year, Watertown was kind of the Webster. You know what I mean? Sure, sure. Really, a lot of people didn't know about them. And, you know, it was only the second state tournament they had been to in about 15 years. So, you know, I think that could be an intriguing matchup. The other team out of Region 7, you know, we don't have Young America. They they got moved up to Class B. That's right. Yeah, we were very so we, heartbroken, by the way, because uh, yeah. we, we know their crowd comes to your park and buys a lot of beer, so we were heartbroken that they got moved up this year. Yeah, and, and I thought for a while they, they were maybe going to have a chance to, to get there and be, but it's just, you know, B's a different animal, and all of a sudden you see a lot of B rosters. They kind of start to change at the beginning of July, all of a sudden it's like, okay, well, playoffs start next month. We better try and get everyone here and start showing up. And you kind of start to see some, you know, some of the different teams, but yep. Waconia is definitely, um, you know, they're, they're the other cream of the crop, I think, uh, out of region seven. And, you know, I, I don't, I'm just waiting for them to go on a big run. I think it was their first year back in class C. You got to go back now to 2011 they made that championship game. I think they ended up losing to Isani in 13 innings on, on Labor Day. Wow. And, and that was the first, you know, that was their first time back in, in the Crow River Valley League. And, and they've had such good teams over the last 11 years, Chris, but they just haven't really went on that deep, deep run. You know, they, they got to the state quarters last year and, and then got beat kind of handily by an Alexandria team who's another really good team who isn't in the state tournament this year. And there's, you know, there's a number of them from around the state that, that kind of got plucked in that region tournament. But I think, uh, you know, Waconia could be poised for it. Um, their pitching staff is the best it's been in probably five or six years. So I think that that's good for them because, you know, for them, it was always, you know, they, they really only had two or three guys, two really, really good guys. But as you know, on Labor Day weekend, two or three guys, it's, it's pretty hard unless you're, you know, something like Tony Clay 
where you can just go out and throw 25 sure. to 30 <laughs> innings in a weekend. So uh, I, I like Waconia. And then our other two teams, I mean, you know about, all about Plato. Sure. Staple. Yep. They broke your guy's heart. I think it was back in 2018. It sure was, uh, Jeremy. Yeah, it sure was. Yeah, over. I think that one was over in New Prague in that in that one nothing game. But, um, you know, this is our first state tournament since 2018. And, and this is a completely different group. Now, you still got Adam Prane who's outstanding there's still Matt Odegaard there and then you got some of that veteran leadership on the bench but otherwise this is pretty much a fully new crop of guys you know young guys uh that haven't really been around a whole while and just two years ago were one in 12 in the Crow River Valley League and so I remember that kind of really yeah they've really flipped it fast in in two years and then you go to Broughton and you know they're our fourth team out of region seven and you know, Ryan Graham's just being Ryan Graham's. I mean, he's been unbelievable as a guy in his mid thirties now. And um, I think in the playoffs so far, Chris, he's thrown 36 innings. He's allowed two, two earned runs. Oh my God. And you know, Ryan's just got that capability. He's kind of on one of those heaters right now. And, you know, he's not as overpowering as what he used to, but he's so good at moving the ball around. He's got pinpoint control and, you know, the joke always with Ryan is if, if he's at 150 pitches, he's still got four or five innings left. Wow. I mean, that's just kind of kind of the running joke. I think he had 133 the night that they clinched their state berth when they beat Green Isle. So that's kind of a little look at our Region 7 teams. Um, you know, who's capable of making a deep run? I think all can get to Labor Day weekend um, if the things go right for them. I do think Watertown and Waconia um, – are, are, are teams that I would consider they're they're serious I'd put them in my if I'm listing out my top 10 teams that I think can win a state championship both of them are definitely uh in that in that bracket for me and when the bl- bracket was announced uh, earlier this week you know I, I was kind of going through it and kind of just given my somewhat educated guess as to what the the, the better matchups were going to be at, at our park in Faribault and I personally I think the Waconia Union Hill game on Sunday at 11. I think that's going to be one of the best games of the weekend at Faribault for sure, because both of those teams are just, they're just rock solid teams. Yeah. I, 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 and that was one of them. I think I had four games that I kind of highlighted in first round matchups that I said, you know what, these are like Labor Day weekend or state quarterfinal kind of games. And Waconia and Union Hill was one of those four. I mean, Go ahead and, and you look at whoever wins that game and look at the bracket. And again, I don't want to take anything away from a Fergus Falls or, you know, Laverne or some of the other, t- but you can see them all the way out into the, the state quarters, yep, right? Easily. I mean, it, it, it's there. And that's not a knock on the other team. That's just based on what we know about Waconia and Union Hill and how talented they are. You know, we're going to see Cody Simon against Mossberg, I'm guessing, right? Probably. That you know, that, that would be my you know, guess, yep. Yeah. So we're probably looking at, you know, that game starts first game Sunday at 11. You you guys might have the field prepped and ready to go by one fifteen. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, because those, those those two guys don't waste a whole lot of time. They're going to be moving quick, and you know there's going to be a lot of zeros on the board. And I was trying to think of okay, so which which is the game that's going to sell the most beer? Because of course, as I told Aaron earlier, that's basically what I'm now rooting for is what are going to be the best yeah. crowds, what are going to be the best games, and obviously we all want great weather. That that but that's out of our control. And I looked at the 
Cannon Falls Buckman matchup Saturday at seven o'clock. Those two crowd because I I was at the Buckman game. Was that two years ago that I was at the Buckman game? And that crowd man was drinking some beer. And I know the Cannon oh, yeah. Falls guys well too. And those guys will drink some beer. So that we're gonna move some product on uh, on Saturday night for sure. Yeah, and, and Buckman, and if you can get them to play extra innings, it's probably even better. I remember <laughs> I think it was back in nineteen. They beat Young Americans 17. Oh, that's right. That, that game got over at about midnight, and they had a play the next day at 11 a.m., and their fans were back in full sports, <laughs> and they picked up right where they left off. That is fantastic. The the before. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, so you, uh, KGLB guy on Twitter, by the way, follow Jeremy Stender like I do. Um, you guys are going to be doing a bunch of games. Uh, you're also streaming. Where can people find all that information when you guys are going to be broadcasting these games? Uh, you can, you, well, first of all, best one, give me a follow on Twitter. We will be broadcasting any games that involve a team from uh, Region 7. So that's Broughton, Waconia, uh, Watertown, and Plato. We'll be covering all four of those. Um, easy access if you're listening on the radio, AM 1310 or FM 96.1. Or you can go to KGLB1310.com. You can stream from your PC. Here's the best part. You can download the free KGLB app. Just type in KGLB in your app store. It's free, comes up, and you can listen to us there too. So uh, those are just a number of the ways uh, to listen to us. That is fantastic. Uh, You are the absolute best, my man. I know we're going to run into each other a bunch over the course of the next three weekends. And uh, you holler at your guy if you need something, okay? I will definitely do that, and we will see you. I believe we're over at your place uh, Sunday for a couple games, so we'll uh, catch up then. Awesome. Looking forward to it, man. Thank you, sir. All right. Thank you. There he goes. Jeremy Stender. Follow him on Twitter like I do. KGLB guy on Twitter. KGLB guy 1310, I believe, is his official handle on Twitter. Or, you know what, just go to my account. Look up Jeremy. Uh, He's one of my followers, and I follow him, so you can find him that way too. Uh, I really hope you like this particular edition of the uh, Weekly Scramble. I know that I have talked a little bit of Tom Ball lately, and it's because this has been a project that I have personally been working on along with a lot of other people, but this is something that has been near and dear to my heart um, for the better part of the last four years now when we were first announced that we were going to get the bid um, up in St. Cloud, and me and my guy Charlie Lechtenberg, uh, we were the ones that helped put in the bid along with Dundas. And when we got it, it was all of a sudden celebratory, and then we looked at each other and said, what the bleep did we just do? So I'm really looking forward to it personally. I know things kick off tomorrow night in Faribault at the Faribault American Legion. And by the way, I didn't mention this, but tickets are available for this MVP banquet if you'd like to attend. It's just going to be a good night of bull slinging because there are no better storytellers in the world. Royce's going to be there uh, as my personal guest and a lot of great town ball guys that are going to be there in attendance. So tickets are available. It's uh, $25, includes a meal and a drink ticket. So if you uh, happen to be in the area, please feel free to stop by. Come say hi to me. It's going to be a lot of fun, but this is a, a project project and an event um, that is a couple of years in the making. And uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. It's been a lot of hard work. It's cost me some time with my family. And I, I, I know that they understand, but uh, I, I, I hope in the long run they can see the greater good because this has been a project that I've been working on for quite some time. And Honestly, uh, neglecting some of my duties on Garage Logic, and I think Joe has taken umbrage with that, as he's mentioned off the year uh, from time to time. So thank you so much for tuning in uh, to this particular episode. I really do appreciate it. Uh, I also send out my thanks to uh, Aaron Worm and Jeremy Stender for joining me on this show. We will do this again very soon. Thank you so much for tuning in. Cheers.